We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. Hello and welcome to the Pragmatic Doulas podcast. Hi, I am one again. of your hosts. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Fernandez. And I'm one of the other ones. And I'm pulling up the rear. <laughs> she has a name. It's Suzanne Lim. You yeah. might remember her from last week's podcast. <laughs> and a couple weeks ago, you got to know me, Stephanie. That's right. Yeah. If you didn't already know us, get ready <laughs> to know Kim today. That's right. The so, trilogy. I'm so scared. We have some extremely um, hard-hitting journalistic questions to ask her. <laughs> to ask that's the scandal, hard-hitting individual you have. On yes, podcast. She's, she's going to tell us all about the scandal in 93. Remember that one? <laughs> <I think> no. <laughs> and explain to us why she approved that horrible policy that we're now living under. This, this is the day. I wish I could blame it on a traumatic brain injury, but I just don't remember. It's just too many drugs and alcohol in my 20s. I don't remember anything. Too much I just northern flew, reflections. Yeah. <laughs> I just flew across the highway and I feel so frazzled. I, I, being rushed throws me off so, so much. Ugh. Okay, deep breath, everybody. Everybody, deep breath <laughs> in and exhale. Nice hypnobirthing breath in. And a long, slow cleansing breath out. So speaking of that, before we get into it, how is your new comfort measures class going? Uh, It's. You only have one. I had the first one. It's awful. It was awful. Mm, Yeah, I really. It wasn't. It wasn't good. I've rewritten it. (laughs) I've rewritten it for the second beta class. Hmm. I almost wish they hadn't charged people. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well. I bet nobody will complain. And if asked, everybody would say, oh, it's great. Is it a two-parter or one? Yeah, it's a two-parter. So the next part should be better. All right. I'm, um, I, I'm asking because I really do love teaching comfort measures, like pri- privately, mainly. I've, I've never really done it in a class um, like where that was the only focus. So good, good on you. Yeah, no, it's so I've rewritten the second one to be more like I had some stuff in there. It didn't flow from beginning to end. And it just kind of like jumped into sort of the hypnosis side and relaxation side. So I'm now taking the first one and concentrating strictly on hypnosis or it's hypnobirthing. I'm a hypnobirthing instructor. So fuck off. I'm not certified. Um. Look, Anybody I who had that thought in their head. Like the thing is, is like with hypnobirthing, I really like it. But to be completely honest, it all feels like a money grabbing scam, like for those that run the institution. Mm-hmm. Like it was going to cost me to get recertified. It was going to cost me over a thousand dollars. What? Yeah, I had to take the that, course again. That option. Yeah, yeah. No. and then the the books are like to get the books over the border and shit 
with the books were going to end up costing like almost $60 a piece with, with customs and, and us exchange rate when I can buy it on Amazon with my Amazon prime for free delivery for half that price. Yeah. Sorry. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I mean, I, clients who've had, who've taken hypnobirthing didn't use it. Like I I've seen it do some really amazing things. I've seen people utilize it really, really well. And I do think it works really well. I don't think it works as a standalone prenatal class, but I do think the techniques in that are actually quite good, but yes, I believe in those things in theory. Yeah. I just haven't seen them play out necessarily in real life. I've seen, I've had clients who've applied principles of hypnobirthing, but they didn't take hypnobirthing training and it worked really well. People who have that ability to calm their mind at will people who have and use that to bring them to a place where they felt calm and in control and in conjunction with their breath and their breathing were able to really manage the rigors of labor i've seen that Mm. i'm I'm assuming that that is sort of like the whole objective of it but none of those people were official officially trained in hypnobirthing um, and I've seen, I've had lots of people who've taken hypnobirthing training and, and did not, didn't use any of it, mm. use any of it, or it may be an early labor did. Yeah. And then when things start to get hot, abandoned it and got an epidural. And then, I mean, I think, I think for the most part, I think with hypnobirthing, one of the things that I really kind of liked about it is that, and this is not a hypnobirthing podcast, clearly, um, that it did allow you to sort of pull from it what you wanted, but it wasn't rigid. Like it wasn't like so rigid, like hypno babies and things like that, where you're like, you have to do X, Y, Z and no, 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 And the only thing that I think people, the people that I've worked with felt um, where it didn't really work was in the pushing stage because they talk about, you know, breathing your baby down and just allowing things to happen. But Jesus Christ, sometimes that baby's just got to come and you just got to push like the crazy person. Like, yeah. so and if, and if you are a birthing person who had anything close to the sensations that I did when it was time to push my babies out there's no way I could breathe anything out that no, you gotta that go urge, for it that urge to bear down slammed me like a house fell on me and there was no other response yeah yeah but exactly push like my life depended on it there was I did not there was no way to to control that and um and I think some people see that as a failure if they don't if they don't do it and it's like no you do you did the whole point of all of this is that you're doing what your body's telling you to do so you did what your body was telling you to do winner winner chicken dinner yeah that's the biggest thing that I end up reviewing with my hypnobirthing clients is you can connect to that but it's like trying to stop yourself from vomiting. And so many people in the hypnobirthing community hate that analogy, but your body is trying to involuntarily fetal ejection reflex, push something out of your body. And we can, everyone knows how horrible it feels to resist vomiting. Um, just enough time. Well, then to get it's just going to gonna come out your nose. Like it's going to come out whether you want it to or not. So you yes. can either help it or let it, or you can at nose. least, um, 
let it happen the way it needs to. You can relax your body, get yourself in a position where it doesn't feel overwhelming. And um, that's a big one too, is I find that when we get to the pushing, depending on where you are and depending on the people in your space, um, someone can be relaxing right into their fetal ejection reflex. And whether it's doing J breathing or just relaxing into the fetal, like trying to get their head around this immense sensation that comes with fetal ejection reflex, um, getting mis mixed messages at that point, well, we're going to start pushing. And of course they're like, no, my body's already doing that. And then someone to say, well, that's not real pushing. It's like, well, sometimes you don't have to push to shit. Your body's just helping you shit. And other times it's like, I need to help dislodge this. After I drink this coffee, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> You're going to have some poop ejection reflex, right? Exactly. And sometimes it doesn't need help. You just need to relax and feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things that get in the way of, I believe the J breathing and stuff that is taught and breathing your baby down really is just not becoming overwhelmed by the fetal ejection reflex. It's teaching you to just let it be whatever it's going to be. Yeah. But that's really hard when so much of the messaging is you're almost ready to push or you're almost ready to do something conscious or you have to do something. But when your baby wants to come, you just have to listen and do whatever your body's telling you to do. That might be pushing. That might be holding on to something that might be completely, I've seen actual, like just completely relaxing during fetal ejection reflex and just holding on letting your body float in a tub. I see it in water birth quite often where you you just let everything go. Like you might be holding on to something like this or holding on to the things, but your body just kind of lets go. And, and you see like the, the back, their back come up and all these wild things happening. If they just like let that pelvis go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much that goes into that. It works until like, until you start until feeling it, years to push. Yeah. And I, I mean, that, that's the thing, like you do what you can until you can't. And then there's tools available to help you. And if that's the end and, you know, you have your body without any pain medications, that's great. If that's halfway through, look at how amazing you did to get to this point halfway through. And now we have a tool to help you with this. And now you can rest. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I think I'm kind of, I'm kind of the person that hypnobirthers probably hate because I'm really about, let's just let's just pick and choose what, what works for us. Like you're too pragmatic. I'm too pragmatic. <laughs> you're too pragmatic. Too individualized. Let's just do with what works for you. So, so again, this is not a hypnobirthing episode. We do have things planned, but just one question for people who you, you're a hypnobirthing trainer and, and Steph, you've had lots of experience. So let me ask this question. The people who I have seen who have really managed to do that really well to breathe their babies down to really seem like they were able to grab a hold of what was going on and just let that let things happen nice and smoothly they are people who have been serious yoga people serious pilates people one of my other clients was a ballet dancer yoga person and those were the people who i just like stood there and watched them like really beautifully breathe their babies out. None of them were hypnobirthing. So does the thing with yoga Pilates and those things, 
there is a serious, the foundation of it is that mind-body connection. Your body's doing something and your mind needs, like they need to be working together in conjunction. Is that something that hypnobirthing does or is it just about mind stuff? No, but so- Acknowledge the overwhelming feelings of labor. No, like what, what hypnobirthing strives to, to teach is that to be conscious that what the mind believes the body will follow so that the yeah. body in theory is a robot. Yeah. And the mind is in control of this robot. So yeah. how we perceive birth, how we envision things, the way we, you know, connect with our mind allows our body to work in theory more efficiently. And, you know, maybe the way, you know, it was meant to yeah. work. Um, and a lot of that is going to be because the mind is so, can be often so controlled with fear, we're trying to remove that and allowing your body to just envision your birth and envision what's happening with your body. And I talk to people about this in my prenatal classes and say, look, we really can't, and this like, even without hypnobirthing, we really can't discount the mind body connection because the more your mind believes it to be, then the body will respond in kind. Mm -hmm. And we have to uh, just lost my train of thought, but if we can connect with our mind and connect with our body, then things should in theory flow. Yes. But I think a lot of times we do because we've been so um, programmed in our head by Hollywood and television and movies about the way birth is and with all the stories and whatnot that our friends and family tell us that we enter into birth with our mind believing that it's going to be a horrible, scary, painful, you know, mind numbing thing. And the body goes, oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, let's do that. And hey, sorry, my cat is just trying to climb up my blinds. They oh my God. I was like, what, do you need us to come over? Is there a guy trying to break in your window? No, but that's fine. You can come over and take this cat away. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, the mind-body connection, right, is yeah. is real. Um, the biggest one I chat with clients about is, so Suzanne, you had mentioned before when you're talking ahead of time with clients about what their experiences, stories, belief systems, what have they been exposed to with birth? Yeah. Um, you know, what impacts them? What's their perception? I find most of the time, especially if someone is doing hypnobirthing, it's fine to have all of your tools, but normalizing, and this is where so much of any preparation for birth comes into play, especially in where we're, we're not going to hospital until we're into a really good labor pattern, um, is to normalize the intensity of labor. Because in every other facet of our lives, intensity in our body we're told is telling us something is wrong whether it's pain whether it's an intense sensation it's like your body's trying to get your attention and tell you something is wrong and in labor it's actually doing the exact opposite thing it says excuse me ma'am excuse me sir i have some things to do please just go about your business <laughs> while i do mine please just take care of this vessel so i can do my work and it is normal but those deep cultural norms of pain, intensity, any strong emotion being something to be fearful of or something to be fixed 
creates that tension. Mm -hmm. And if we are starting off with that tension where it's not normalized, where you haven't used mantras, belief systems, even just reading, when I say positive birth stories, I mean, people who had a good experience, not natural, not cesarean or water birth or anything like that, just people who had a good experience that you can have that experience. And this is is probably why when Suzanne's saying the people that were, you know, that she found were able to breathe their babies down were Pilates instructors or, you know, or yoga people and things like that, because they recognize that the intensity within their body is something normal and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But yes. if we so don't, that's part of the mind, right? Yeah. And then when you look at, so, you know, when you look at, you know, Steph, your clients who have been runners and, you know, whatnot, I think marathon runners and things like that, can almost literally just spit their babies out because they recognize that there is going to be a wall that they're going to hit, but they can push through that and get to the other side. Whereas just a mere mortal, like say myself, who doesn't have those experiences, that is something that, again, as you say, we were brought up to be fearful of that. Yes. So for me, it's my cyclists that I work with. I went through a period where like this cycling community was just passing me around. Um, I don't know if it's crazy. how they sit on their bike seat or <laughs> that they bike everywhere or what that does to the hip structure, pelvic floor structure. I don't know, but they spit their babies out. Yeah. Um, like, and I, I mean, like once labor is rolling, it rolls. And then once they start to feel the fetal ejection reflex with or without upper epidural, they really tap into what they're feeling in their pelvic floor, which I guess they must do when they're sitting on a bike seat so long and they let it all go. And a baby slips out like it's an Olympic luge event. Yeah. Um, and secondly, strange, maybe strangely, but people who are very, very um, like smart, like my, my medical researchers also worked with a lot of medical researchers, whether they're in they're actually, they're rarely in obstetrics, but um, quite a few, my like medical researchers love information. So when they research the biology of labor, they're not scared of, or like the, it, it wipes out the fear of that intensity because it's they're almost excited by it as research. It's like, oh, this is what we were talking about. And they're excited for that sensation. It's like, oh, I know what this is because they connect to it through normalcy because they've researched the biology of it. Um, and yeah, they also really big, really common for them to take hypnobirthing because they love the biology side of it, but they also love the, okay, so what do I do with it? Um, yeah, so that's, that's what my client base has been around, uh, like people who, again, just let go and let their baby come down. Can we talk about me now? Yeah. Yeah. We like you. Get on it. Okay. This but is not first. a hypnobirthing podcast. <laughs> Okay. No. Like, I mean, the last time we did this, we didn't really talk about me either. So I kind of want to talk about <laughs> me. Okay. Okay. Um, so why do... don't you do the land acknowledgement then? All right. So I would like to recognize and acknowledge the land upon which I live, raise my children, work and support birthing parents is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Ashinabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee and the Bandat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis people. While a land acknowledgement is not enough, it is an important social justice and decolonial practice that promotes indigenous visibility and is a reminder that we are on settled indigenous lands. 
Let this land acknowledgement be an opening for all of us to contemplate a way to join in indigenous movements for sovereignty and self-determination. There was, I wonder, I meant to pull this up beforehand, but there is a website that you can go to to find out what your, where your land is. But I can't, I, somebody, I did a workshop the other day and they had it up when they did their land acknowledgement. Um, like what, what nations lived on the land that you- Yeah, yeah. And it was for all of North America. It might've been national, it might've been worldwide. I don't know. Um, I just focused on my own, but um, I'll see if I can pull it up at some point and, and post it because it was really quite fascinating. Yes, I think I've seen that map. It's very, very uh, detailed. Native right. land, native-land.ca. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, I don't think that's where I've seen it, but yeah, that's, I, I, I love that. It's a good, yeah, it's like all of North America. Yes. Yes. So I also wanted to say, um, the Americas also include the Caribbean and on Tuesday was, um, international indigenous day on Tuesday, which was the, also the summer solstice. That's, um, it was June, June 21st. And I also wanted to give a little bit of acknowledgement in, in recognition of International Indigenous Day to the Indigenous people who were Indigenous to the island of Jamaica, the Taino people. We, they used to be known, I grew up knowing of them as the Arawak, but apparently that's not, that's not the proper name. They, they're, it's the Taino people and the Taino, T-A-I-N-O, the Taino people, um, uh, lived in all over the Caribbean, Central America, and Northern South America. And what we, they are depicted on the coat of arms of Jamaica. Currently, there isn't one single person of Taino heritage on the island of Jamaica at all. They're completely wiped out by uh, Spanish invaders when they when they arrived on the island. But there still are Taino people living all over the Caribbean. Um, some of them in not good situations, uh, reservations and all of that, that are not being well, um, well cared for by the government. So I just wanted to acknowledge that, that when we think of land acknowledgements, we talk about the place where we live right now, which is good and important, but that there are indigenous peoples all over the world. When we went to the Philippines, we were surprised to, to to see indigenous people of the Philippines who look quite different from what you imagine a Filipino people person to look like. And I learned a little bit about that history. So all over the world, indigenous people not only are struggling, but they're also uh, finding joy and surviving and, and really, really pushing and resisting for their sovereignty, for their inherent rights to be acknowledged. And so I wanna say, for myself and I'm assuming on behalf of the pragmatic doulas that we stand in solidarity with all the indigenous peoples of this entire globe who are standing up and resisting and insisting on their their inherent human rights so there absolutely. you go absolutely yeah I didn't want in, uh, international indigenous day to pass without some at the very least an acknowledgement of it yeah um since we have also a large American contingent that listen to us, um, I think it's wise to recognize Juneteenth. I think many uh, of our American friends down there believe that we have Juneteenth up here, 
or that it's celebrated similarly up here. I had a couple of my cousins mention it and it's like, we have Emancipation Day, um, which is actually over in, in August 1st, August 1st, I believe. Is that right? Yes. I think I'm remembering that right. Um, and we, we had a little bit of a discussion about whether it's a celebration and that a friend of one of my cousins had actually asked that it not be, um, her, my cousin had wished them a, a peaceful Juneteenth after this past couple of years, which have been brought so much upheaval. And she had actually asked her friend had asked that um, she not send her any more. And they're very good friends, but she asked her that she not send her any more wishes around Juneteenth. Um, but uh, which really just sent me into a bit of a, you know, of course, researching and looking up and, and what that must, must have felt like for somebody. But, you know, Juneteenth was a long time coming in getting properly recognized and it being a holiday, something to be observed, something to be acknowledged. And so, yeah, I wanted to acknowledge that for our American sighted friends who are listening in. Yeah. Cool. All right. We have the big- We have a little bit of time left. <laughs> the big Kim day here. <laughs> no, we're gonna take our full time, okay? I have some good questions, so I want all of them answered. All right. So are you ready? Okay. Let me, let me cue up my mic. Uh, do you want to go first or shall I go first? I feel like Karen and Georgia. Do you want to go first or should I go first? I think, we I think the Suzanne list. can go first. Steve she's just like perky and on and she's got her makeup on. So Suzanne should go first. <laughs> okay. Let's get this clear. It's old makeup left over from last night. It's, it's only there <laughs> as a result of my laziness because I didn't want to take it off. Okay. Let me see which one of these do I want to ask first? Let me just ask uh, the one that you guys asked me. Um, nothing to do with dual work right now. Let's start out with just Kim. What are your five desert island songs? Five oh, songs God. that you, you're stuck on a desert island forever. And the only <laughs> thing you have is a really good sound system that only plays five songs. Shit. What would those songs be? I clearly don't have my phone with me, right? When I'm on this island? Okay. <laughs> no, you so. don't. You have a good sound system programmed with your own five songs. Which I've which I've taken apart to complete a radio so I can get the fuck off this island. Um Frank is alive and well in me. Um, so for me, the answer to this would be, if you asked me six months from now, it might be different. If you asked me six months ago, it might be different because my yes. music changes constantly. Yes. Um, but what I'll do is I'll go through the current playlist that I have because um, right. it's kind of what I'm, everything is, it's being worn out at this point. Mm -hmm. um, first and foremost is obviously going to be uh, Lizzo's um, song of the summer um God, what the fuck is it called about damn time it's about damn time that's right um i'm singing that Just blasted it on my way here at the top of my lungs yeah um okay so that's one um also going to pull in something from matchbox 20 because i love them mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. so i'll go with she's so mean because I really mm. like that bop. Mm. Um, I'm going to pull something from K-pop, uh, Hide mm. and Seek by Luna. 
which I really enjoy. It's one of the ones my kids actually don't like. But Never like. heard of that because I'm not a K-pop person, so I'm going to look it up. I do like Luna. They're very good. Okay. Um, You're oh so God. young. God. <laughs> I'm an old fogey. K-pop? What the fuck? Yep. Uh, so that's three. I'm going to go with Hard Times by Paramore. It's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I sing again at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. See, I should probably have an oldie in there. Something from The Cure, maybe? Nothing to soothe you down? Nothing... No, if I'm going to be, okay, well, yeah, all right, let's go with, uh, I really sing this one at the top of my lungs too. Uh, it's not an oldie, but uh, Ship to Wreck by Florence and the Machine. Yeah, that's a sing out loud song right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do like that one too. So yeah, I mean, I could rhyme off like 10 more. But... I know, isn't it? That's not, it's people who are music people, it's really hard to pick five. I know, I hear you. I mean, the problem like, for me get- is music is, it's my therapy. It's my, yeah. it's yeah. my, I don't take antidepressant medication <laughs> yeah. uh, anymore. I listen to music instead. Yeah. So yeah. getting in the car yeah. and driving with the windows rolled down, singing at the top of my lungs to whatever is appeasing me that day, that yeah. is, that is my therapy. And the funny thing is, is I don't like you guys play music at home. I actually don't. Oh, I don't play music in my house. Oh, I know it's weird. I I have worn out my little Sony speaker. Yeah, (laughs) I know that I should. But then I've all I mean, I don't want to don't want to disturb my children with my music, even though. Oh, I don't give a fuck. This stuff is theirs. You're a Um, very nice mother. I know. I know. Um, I'm making you dinner. So I get to blast my music in the kitchen. Fuck you. Whatever. Well, I got the AirPods now. So I listen. I yes. should be listening to it that way. I do that too. Yeah. AirPods. I'm cleaning your house that you I'm live in. Listen. Yeah. So you don't complain about me blasting my music. Maybe so. I need, to, maybe I need to do that. I need to break out. My glasses are fogging up because I'm so hot. I'm in the hot seat. So hot. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So let's take it back to the doula origin story. When was the first time you heard the word doula and what was going on and what made you say, oh my God, that's it. So I think I've told this story before. Um, So after the birth of Allie, when Paul fainted, um, but I thought I was actually going to be a nurse. Thank God fucking god i didn't do that can you imagine me being especially these days nurse of these days no i had your hamstring i'd have killed well (laughs) if i was a nurse i think i'd probably be i wouldn't have been sitting on my couch for two years of the pandemic which is what probably things up um but i looked at being a nurse because i thought yeah i'll do this it's not a problem i can this is good but then as i look more into it I thought, I don't want to get into like the politics of things because I just left an office job um, where politics and, you know, favoritism and all this bullshit. I don't work well with others. I really, really don't work well with others. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of birth workers can say that, which is the reason why they choose to be like independent birth workers. Yeah. Mm. Like it's hard, but I really can't abide by some of the crap people go, people do and say and and whatnot. Um, 
So took myself out of that situation and then thought, well, okay, well, what about something else? What about being a childbirth educator, lactation consultant? Because I really did have a lot of um, feeding issues with Allie. So I looked into that too. And then honest to God, through a Yahoo search, pre-Google, um, came across doula and started to, you know, go on to the message, the Yahoo message boards and listen about what it was worth. And I thought, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. And you then the and, clicks in your head, click, click. Yeah. Click. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind of where it all began just from Paul fainting at my birth. <laughs> And, and kind of wrecking it hard on the floor. No, the, the nurse standing beside him kind of eased him down onto the ground. Okay. <laughs> and then it was all about him. <laughs> well, yeah, this is why I say in a stern voice to partners, sit down, you pass out, go sit down. Cause no, we're not going to, I'm like, we'll step over your six foot prone body lying on the ground. We'll just step. We'll just like sh- kick you out of the way. So it's unfortunate that, I mean, I mean, it's fortunate that, that Paul didn't crack his head on the way down. But the thing, like, the thing is like, this was our third, this was our yeah. third baby. So I mean, if any time you were going to faint, it would have been the first, which was like fucking yeah. terrifying. That yeah. should have been the birth you fainted at. But really, I mean, in all honesty, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, it was that birth was unmedicated. So he didn't eat, he didn't drink. He didn't even go to the bathroom for like eight solid hours. Um, well, I was going to say it was person. a blood sugar. Yeah. Baby. Like, and of course you, I don't know if you guys do this too, but when you're pushing, I know as a doula, I do this. I try desperately not to, but you push and you go, okay, ready. And you hold and your breath and clench your stomach and, muscles along with them. Yes. Yes. yes and yes, you're, yes. and it builds up in your head. So you don't actually poop yourself while you're helping them push. Um, which you're not actually helping them at all in that respect. Um, but yeah, I think that's what he was doing. He was kind of pushing with me, but it was building all up in his head and he just went, yes. Yep. Yeah. And he on the ground he was so, but it makes for a good story. <laughs> that is always a good story. Exactly. Okay. It is. All right. What's next? Well, we're glad to have you. So, <laughs> and here I am 16 years later. Here you are. Um, okay. I'm going to, I do have a dual, dual questions, but I'm, since you asked one stuff, I'm going to do something else. What is the most precious to you thing that you own? And why is it precious to you? Think about all the stuff in your house, in your life that you own, that belongs to you. Which of those things is, if you had to choose one thing to leave, Hey, you're going on the desert Island. Yeah, that's right. And you got to, one thing that means the most to you and why does it mean so much to you it's a material thing an actual concrete it's thing. not my children it's not like oh my children or the love i have for my pets nope nope a thing in your house like that the doll back there is it that guy if the house is on fire you got to grab something and run out to to protect it what is that thing <laughs> yeah because we have so much shit don't we we have so much shit in our house and there are so many things in our house that are not functional they're there for what the fuck reason i don't know there's so it so can't many- be my phone either mm, no too functional i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say no to phone that's too easy <laughs> 
Like I'm looking around my room right now, this office here. I, I come in here a lot to work. So I need the desk, I need the chair, I need the computer, the outlet and the chargers. But really everything else in here is fucking bullshit. They're just, just taking up space. But I right. love some of these things. What right. is it? So if there was a fire in my house, if, I, if this got destroyed, I would probably be devastated. Okay. Um, right, I'm pointing right there um, is my grandmother's chest. Oh, so yes. Not, not anything in it. I don't care about that stuff. Um, but the actual chest itself that my grandfather bought my grandmother and then my dad um, refurbished and fixed the broken parts. I would go probably with that because it's got my grandparents association and they loved me so much. Um, and it's got an association with my dad as well. Cause I don't necessarily have anything in here really. Uh, that is my dad, except photos. Um, but I would go, I would go with that. It would be literally impossible to get it out of the house. Um, okay. <laughs> Nadia does not like that story. Um, it would be impossible to get out of the house because it weighs 150 pounds. Um, but if it got destroyed, that would, that would likely devastate me. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. don't you have anything in it? Oh no, there's stuff in it, but I don't give a oh, shit about oh, the stuff that's stuff in it. it. Oh, but you mean you don't really care about the stuff that's in it? It's, it's the chest itself. Is it made out of cedar? Yeah. Oh, does it have well, that? actually, originally, it that's one of the things that my dad refurbished. He relined it with fresh cedar. Um, and oh. then the drawer itself was broken. Um, and he fixed that and still has the original handle. Um, but what my grandmother did, fuck it, she MacTacked the top of it. Do you remember MacTack? Yes. Yeah, she MacTacked the top of it. Um, so he managed to unmack tack it uh-huh. um, and sanded it down and re and redid the top of it. Wow. So it was like a hope chest. This is a hope chest. Hopeless chest, yeah. <laughs> it's a hopeful, it's hopeful chest. Woefully hopeless chest. Full of hope. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. So we know that you said you were, after Ali was born, considering moving towards being a nurse. Yeah. But you found the doula instead. Um, but if you were to go back and restart your doula work, like you found out you, you were going to be a doula, you knew this is what you wanted to move forward with, what would you do differently with the knowledge you have today if you were starting all over again? Oh, God damn. That's very much like the question I was going to say, which is what is one piece of advice you want to give to somebody who is considering doula work? There you go. So maybe so, two things in. So again, we've talked about this before I, for 100 percent, um, though, I mean, in reality, I want to say this, but I also don't want to discount where I am in my life today because where I am in my life today is amazing. And I am very, very happy with who I am at the same time. Remember, but I would have set better boundaries and not, um, I took my family for granted, um, 
that they would be there and that I was able to do this, but I didn't appreciate the work that they did while I was not there. And when I, I mean, they, I mean, my kids understood and I, and when I was home with them, which was a lot, cause I was a stay at home mom, um, was I would have taken my marriage not for granted. I would not have taken my marriage for granted or my partner for granted that he was going to be there doing the laundry and cooking the stuff and all of that stuff. And I think for the most part that, that boosted resentment um, and probably was a cascading effect towards how everything ended. And I, but as I say, I don't want to discount the fact that being a single person now, I am literally the happiest person I've ever been. So yes, I think for other people, like if we're going to go with, I would still do that. Like if I could go back and do it again, I would still do that. And maybe things would be different. Um, and maybe I would be okay not being single. <laughs> yeah. um, but definitely I've always told when I was a doula trainer, I always told people like, you have to really honor the people that you're leaving at home when you go out and do this work, because while you're giving so much to other people, they're also taking up, they're filling that void of you not being there. So you have to honor that they are doing a lot of work too, while you are doing your work. So they're also doulas, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're doing this work right along with you and they may not be in the labor and delivery room with you and your client, but they're behind the scenes making everything run and function and work. So never take that for granted. Well, isn't that what we want our partners who are employed outside the home to do for us, especially mm -hmm. if you are a parent who is at home with your children all day, taking care of the home and the children. Isn't that what we ask of them? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just, it's the same rule. Yeah. And I think that all, that, that recognition that you have speaks to your wisdom that you can look back and say, mm, yes, I could have done better in this area and this area that's humility and wisdom. And also I'm fucking the happiest I've ever been, despite everything I've gone through in the last few years. That speaks to your resilience. So you're fucking awesome. For my, it's going to be my nine-year anniversary next week. From that's day, right, day. I know that. And July fucking first. And here you are. Waited to the second. <laughs> what? All you like? Here you are, all alive and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Not just me. alive, but like thriving and yeah. and being life and being just content and happy good for you i love that yeah so yeah. so i know that's a good piece of advice to people considering doula work that it really can, can have a huge impact on your home life whether that's your intimate partner relationship or your parent relationship with your kids yeah. Yeah, like that's all a big part of what you need to consider. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is a, I don't see most of the time men, people who identify as men making those considerations yeah. as much as we do. Like they just like go up there, they got to make the money, they got to provide, they got to do that. Which, hey, I'm not saying that's like, I appreciate that, 
but that deep consideration about how's this how is me doing this job going to affect my family life that's i feel like we put more thought into that yeah yeah and more reflecting how did how you know was that a good thing how did this affect my kids that i was away so much and so on whereas Mm -hmm. men just are like yeah well i had to go to work so it's true i don't know that my kid would take it as or my husband would take it as seriously as I did when one of my kids so casually said when she was like, what, all of four or five? And I asked her if she would be a, wanted to grow up to be a birth worker. And she's like, no, I, I want to be home on my, with my kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Does that feel like a stab in your heart, husband? It's probably not. No. <laughs> and she, she said it so flippantly. It was just so matter of fact mm-hmm. that she recognized the times I'm not there. I'm sure she even recognized it more because often Roger wasn't there. So it's like, well, you're both gone now. So now I'm just left with, although their grandmother is such a, you know, cornerstone person in their life. They could literally walk down the street to her house. Um, Well, maybe not. Not not every doula has that, has that family backup, you know, and if you're, if your kid is constantly being left with a babysitter and, you know, friends and things like that there's an impact so we have to recognize that because you see so many doulas you know that have just had babies that want to do this work and I get it I absolutely get it because you're riding that high but you also have to recognize the impact that it's going to have on not just your life not just your financial life, but also the lives of this particular baby that you just gave birth to and any other children that you have, plus your partner. And how is it going to impact those that are helping to, again, support you like family, friends, neighbors, grandmas and grandpas and things like that. So, you know, this job is all encompassing when we are giving so much of ourselves, we have to make sure that we're not taking too much from others in order to fill what we're giving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. I don't want to take from my family to give to this new family. Yeah. 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 And so riding that wave about reflection, wisdom, humility, and all of that. um, What Kim is the best part of getting older? You are 50, can I say yeah I'm 52 52 years young no fuck it you're 52 years old you've lived 52 years old <laughs> you've lived 52 years on this earth what's what's the best part about this part of life for you I there's a lot of it that sucks that's okay my, hamstring. That. my <laughs> sciatica I got the sciatica <laughs> you got the ruby years old this fucking sciatica God. Look, stop sitting on the couch, Christ's sake. That's Um, for treatment, yeah. But what's the best part? The best part of being this age, this time of life? So I think I have to look at this in not just being 52, because being 52 20 years ago is different than being 52 now. And being 52 20 years from now is going to be different as well. But for me, the age that I am and the generation that I am, I like that I am competent (laughs) technically, um, but not so far gone in technology that I can't recognize other like 
blue sky and books and paper and, and all these things. So there's that sort of middle ground that I love to live in. And I also, yeah, that's, that's being prime Gen X. I think I love that. I also don't give a shit anymore about what anybody says what anybody thinks. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my knickers in a knot over things, but I also have the ability to just meh, not my, not my circus, not my monkeys. I don't care. Um, and I, I like that. I can just, somebody was talking about this today on, on the TikToks, and, um, you know, that we can look at things and not just dive headfirst in, but I'm able to look at something, analyze it for what it is and make a decision as to how I want to respond to it or not respond to it. So I like that I've got this wisdom now of, meh, I don't care. It doesn't affect me, so I don't care. Isn't it it like an ability to distill, distill all the things that come into our lives because we're bombarded now, especially in this day and age bombarded with so much stuff and um it is easy to get overwhelmed and i see younger people being consumed by all of that but we don't because number one we're gen x and so we're the best and we are still able to pull on our ability to appreciate outside and paper and stuff like that but also simply being in your 50s gives you this ability to distill all of that shit and go hmm Nope, not something that I need to spend any energy on. Goodbye. Like, I like that I'm, I have this ability now because I didn't before. I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure I didn't before. And I know I didn't because I can remember times where I didn't see the whole picture, but I'm at a point in my life where I can look at something and be able to see the different pieces of the puzzle that are fitting together. Like I talked to my mom who ironically is not a boomer, um, age wise, but I look at her and she'll say, you know, oh, like X, Y, Z is happening. Oh, and the sky is falling and, you know, chicken little with her head cut off. And it's like, okay, but what about ABC? What about X, Y, Z? What about EFG? Like, can you, like, there's other things. Oh Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I talked to you. And it's like, how do you not think outside the box? I don't understand how you don't see. She's so, I find some people that I interact with, especially old people, um, so linear that, but I, and I don't know if it's because I'm a doula or what, but I, and I think it might be because I'm a doula, but I'm to do with it yeah yeah like you're always thinking about the contingencies you're always thinking about the different paths you're always thinking about the different routes you're always thinking about well if if x happens then y is going to happen but maybe this can happen or that can happen as well okay and how do we do that so it's like my brain is never not thinking of these things and i think i kind of like that because i think what happens is it gives me a sense of calm in that I don't, it isn't the sky is falling. It's like, okay, the sky is falling, but if we go and stand over here where the sky isn't falling, we don't have to do that. If we stand underneath this, we won't get hit by the sky. Like 
but for the other people in my life, it's like, bad things. It's like, oh fuck, can we just can we take a step back and can we just analyze the situation here? Um, but it took me, I mean, it took me to at least the age of 40-ish um to figure that out. Yep, yep. And yep. you and you probably you answered it, I think, but that what you just said made me think of, oh, this would have been a really good question to ask. What of your doula skills has transferred yeah. the most that readily to real life? Yeah. But I don't know if you, if you figure that that's, if that's your answer or if there's something else. Cause I mean, that's, a, I th- that's a really good question. I think it's, I think it's just the idea of, look, let's just, there's always more than one piece to the puzzle. I think that is, that's the one doula thing that, and I think maybe, I don't know if maybe that's a doula thing or if it's a childbirth educator thing, um, but it's like, there's always more than one piece to the puzzle. So we have to consider all the pieces before we can see the big picture. And that's, I think that's what I have put towards my life. I remember one time my son fell or something like that. I think it was at the cottage. He fell down and he hurt his knee, scraped his leg or something like that. And I'm like, okay, just breathe, breathe with me. I like did like a, <laughs> he was like freaking out. I did like a, you know, a take charge routine on him. And I just took his hand and I said, okay, I know it hurts, but I just want you to look in my face and I want you to breathe with me. <sighs> yeah. I remember you know, doing it with my six-year-old when he burned his hand really bad. Right. Yes. Um, and I thought, and it was at that moment that I thought, oh yeah, doula is life. Like doula, <laughs> doula is life. <laughs> Those skills you learn as a doula, that's life. <laughs> so it took you this time to, you mentioned to kind of come to that innate wisdom. You also in the past few years have really been investing in your business knowledge. So Um, here's your personal knowledge you bring back to the beginning, if you were to do it all over again, or to advise a newer doula, but you've really gathered a lot of business knowledge and what you, what you find to be really, really valuable from a business perspective. What would you say to somebody starting now, um, to do with their business set up as they were coming into this work? I mean, I would say like, I really enjoy, um, I think the thing with, and I've said, again, I've said this before too. I really think the thing with the business coach that I have is not necessarily what I'm being taught because I think I already knew that stuff. I think what I'm getting is just that push forward. It's that it's, it's the, you know, boosting up and moving me forward and not allowing me to, you know, get stagnant and it's giving me ideas and it's, it's helping me to percolate my brain, um, for the creativity. So I think it isn't necessarily because I don't think for the most part, all business, um, coaching, um, in doula work is the same because I think the reason why I like this particular doula coach is because again, she's not setting the world on fire. She's not She's not saying anything that isn't, we don't already know mm-hmm. what she's doing is she's boosting me up and moving me forward. And there's a word I want to use, but I can't think of it. Um, she's like igniting you, igniting you. Yeah. Like she's giving me that spark. So whenever yeah. I feel like I don't, 
like I'm in a, like I'm feeling stagnant. I'll just yeah. go back and listen to some of the stuff that she said before. I wish my kids would fucking stop going in and out of the goddamn door and making right. some fucking noise. Um, anyways, yeah. um, but it's that it's that igniting of the creativity and the spark that I need when I feel like the flames of my creativity are dying out. Yeah. So I think for the most part, it doesn't necessarily have to be that business coach and it doesn't necessarily have to be business coaching, but I think yeah. what it needs to be is a mentor. So I think if you're a new doula, you get yourself a mentor. Now I'm going to say this, okay? And I know everybody hates me for this and I don't fucking care because remember, I'm 52. 52. <laughs> I think you should get a business. I think you should get a mentor to help you through these early years because these early years are hard. But what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to shadow another doula. I want you to fucking go into that birth all on your own, knowing that I'm at the end of the phone. If you have a question or, or concern, I will answer that for you. But I'm not going to have you, mostly because I don't do births anymore, but I'm not going to have you in that birth with me. I do not like birth shadowing. Yeah. No, I don't I, even necessarily do. like postpartum shadowing either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think what it does is it teaches that doula to be like you. Ew. And I don't want that. I want the doula to be their own individual, authentic self. I mm -hmm. want them to find themselves as they go through this. Like what we did. Did we shadow people? No. We yeah, got thrown I want into you the to make, make the mistake. Yeah. We got thrown into the deep end of the pool without any floaties and said, you know what? Swim, bitch. And that's what we did. And you know what? We were better for it. We are better doulas for it because we learned as we went. You yes. don't have to have an apprentice. You don't uh, drives me insane. I hate this. It's, it's you're, you're, you're right. Um, being a mentor doesn't mean shadowing and being a mentor doesn't mean, and, and I, I've gone through this thing in my head too, trying to think about how I'm going to do that. And I feel like I'm more of a cheerleader. That's what I, I that's what I think we need mentor teacher no i mean that's important too that's important yeah. too but i i feel like i my skills are best as a cheerleader as exactly a cheerleader. you can do it yeah 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 you made a mistake but go back and try it again go back and try it again i bet you're gonna do better next time and that's that's what i'm not here's what you do here's how you fix this yeah that's no. that's yeah you're and, right. and no it's, and it's yeah. And that's just it. It's asking the question. It's constantly asking the question. Okay. So if X, Y, Z happened, how, what would you do next time? How do you feel about what happened? Okay. If you don't feel positive about it, how can we, what would you do differently to feel positive about it? Again, it's getting them to dig in to what they know. Look, yeah. being a doula is not fucking rocket science. It doesn't matter. Your client doesn't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. All they're looking for is somebody to hold their damn hand and give them some double hip squeeze and rub their back and tell them that they're doing awesome. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, debriefing from that. We're not medical. We're not saving the world 
from, we're not saving them from their birth. We're there to help them go through this journey. We're there behind them going, girl, you got this. Hey, birthing parent, I got you. We're here for you. Mm-hmm. That's what they need because we need to be, they need to be able to walk through this journey. And when it's all over, go, holy shit, look what I did. That's what I want. But I don't want doulas to be going, okay, so, so she did this. Okay. So I'm going to do that next time. No, yeah, because that might not be needed. Not be it. No, I want you to learn about your clients and I want you to figure out how you personally can help them, not how I can help them. And then you're going to do it for the next client, because as you say, it might not work because that's a different client. Mm -hmm. So fuck this shadowing bullshit. I hate this. (laughs) So kind of writing on that, um, fuck the shadowing bullshit. When you have, I know you don't do births anymore, but you do do still postpartum support work virtually. Mm -hmm. And even that, because every new family situation is different. Everybody's birth, birth experience that now influences their postpartum situation is also unique. And there is always like, I have a client right now who I'm going to call as soon as I get off this recording to discuss um the fact that her baby's crying a lot and she literally gave me a checklist of all the things that they do routinely to get the baby to stop crying and yet the baby cries still a lot okay and my mind is blank yeah my mind is blank I don't know what I'm gonna say to her (laughs) I don't fucking know what I'm gonna say when I call her And I'm telling you, that message is hard to translate to somebody who's looking to me for mentorship because they're looking for hard, concrete answers, solutions that work all the time. And I don't have that. How do you deal with that? That uncertainty, that doubt that I don't fucking know what I'm going to say. I'm going to take five minutes and kind of think about it. And then I'm going to just call them and start talking. How do you deal with that, I call it unknowing, the not knowingness of dual work. When you, you're about to go into a birth, I don't fucking know yeah. how things are going to turn out. I know that I don't have magic. So I'm not oh, yeah. saying, oh God, hang on everybody. I'm coming. And as soon as I get there, everything's going to be just right. I don't know. And sometimes I walk in there and I'm like, fuck, what the fuck am I doing here? I don't know shit. I think how I do you mean, deal with that? I think for me, it's again, it's always a matter of so your client has sent you a checklist. For me, I would be like, okay, so when you did, you know, point A here, change the babe, change the diaper because everybody thinks changing a diaper is, yeah, is magic. It. It's yeah. like, okay, when you did point A, what happened? When you did point B, what happened? Because sometimes when they, because they've they've given you like a small sliver of information, but again, there's more than, than one piece to a puzzle. So when we did this particular thing, what happened? How did baby react? It's like, okay, that gives us more information. And then that might, the more I listen to what they have to say, the more I ask those open-ended questions, then it's like, back here in the back of my mind is like triggering little things going, okay, well, maybe baby doesn't like, you know, ABC. Mm -hmm. Okay. So have you, and, and oftentimes they're going to go, you know, well, you know, in point E, (laughs) you know, we did get a modicum of success. 
okay, so let's focus on point E. Like maybe they did stop crying for a little bit, but then they started again. Okay, so let's look at point E and maybe we can be more consistent because I think a lot of times, especially when it comes with postpartum stuff, and I see this all the time on the goddamn stupid Facebook message boards, um, is people will try one thing and that one thing one time didn't work. So now they're scrapping it, but babies need consistency. You need to just, Let's try it again and again and again and again, and then baby will fall into things. Because yeah, babies cry, but we have to rule out. We have to rule out the pain and the and the and the other stuff first, and then maybe we just need to be consistent with what we're actually doing: the swaddling and the five S's and all this other crap that works. Mm-hmm. So even with sometimes even you with just have a baby who cries. Sometimes babies just cry, like yeah. they cry every time I put them down. So stop putting them down. Like it's not having a baby feels like it's rocket science, but they're not that hard of a creature. You just need to figure out. And isn't it true? Like you said about new doulas, the same sort of advice can be applied to new parents. I feel like I don't want to, that I'm grateful for the fact that I don't have all the answers because I feel like them walking the floor at three o'clock in the morning and not knowing what to do except just holding their baby is actually a good thing. Yeah. That, that actually builds parenting character. Yeah. But me coming to say, do this, 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 and yeah. it's guaranteed yeah. to work, doesn't build parenting character. And having me come there and pick up the baby, because this happens all the time, babies sense that I've held five million babies. Yeah. So they, they, huh, they, and they're like, what the hell, how did you do? That? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just babies just know that I have a lot of experience. That's all. That's not something I can give you because no. that's just something I've honed over the last almost 40 years since the first time I became a mom. Yeah. So I can't give that to you. No. You got to walk through that fire. I walked through that fire. I had nobody to call. No. No. And doesn't it feel like transfer in the, what we teach to new doulas, it it transfers to that, that uncertainty is okay. I just don't feel like when, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I don't remember being at this heightened state of anxiety when it came to having my babies. Now, granted, I didn't have them at home for the first week. Like they literally lived the first week of their lives in hospital. So I had that time to recover and sleep and shit. So, I mean, I'm obviously coming at this from a different perspective, but it's like, guys, the baby never wants to be put down. So don't put them down. Like, it's not, I don't it's not understand. Spoiling, it's supporting. Yeah. Like strap into your chest. If you have shit to do, like, I don't understand what else are you doing with your what? life at seven days postpartum? <laughs> but I mean, that's, and I, I say that, and I don't want to be flippant because I understand that not having a parent, having a baby nowadays is ridiculously stressful. And we're trying to, you know, do the best that we can for our babies. And we're trying not to fuck anything up and I get it. But I think sometimes we always have to look at, let's just look at baby from the very base of the hierarchy. Like what do they need? <laughs> they need food, <laughs> they need protection, and they need love. That's it. That's yeah. literally all they need. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you're going in with that, you're not going to fuck it up. Like if you're just going in with that, you're not going to fuck it up. You're, you're you, going to be okay. You're and I always be- tell people like, look, you have to work really hard 
and be a horrible individual to fuck up your kid. Like it's e people think it's easy to mess up a kid, but let's be honest. They're the most resilient creatures on the planet. You have to work really fucking hard and be a really horrible, awful person to fuck your kid. For you to fuck up a kid. For there you are you to fuck up your kid. Fuck them up. But for you to do it, you have to like consciously really. You, you have that. to work at it. Yeah. So yeah. if you're going into this with love, you're fine. Love and good intentions will carry a long way in parenting. That's for you're sure. You're fine. Just pick your baby up, strap into your chest and be on your way. You're good. Yeah. And yes. You can wear your baby while sitting on the toilet. It absolutely can. How many times I nursed a baby while taking a dump on the toilet? What else <laughs> yeah. am I going to? Two needs need to be met right at this moment. <laughs> Two things can't exist at the same time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's being pragmatic and efficient. So I don't know who, who's turning their nose up at that because that's just smart. Yeah. That's and then you have a toddler and then you just throw some toys down on the bathroom floor yep. for the toddler. To that is three needs being met at the same the beauty of multitasking. That is multitasking. Right. It's prime. Yes. So Kim, yes. one thing I asked Suzanne was what is one personal goal you have for the next year? And what is one professional goal for you have for the next year? Hmm. Professional goal. I am come hell or high fucking water. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I swear to God, it's going to happen. I'm going to get that prenatal class recorded um, and put out there in the, in the multiverse. Personally. Huh? What do I want? Well, I mean, personally, I'm going to get, when I get my inheritance, um, my backyard's being done in 24 sleeps. Um, and that inheritance is also going to cover a new bathroom and a new kitchen in my house. Um, I want to, I want to, this is my home. This is my investment. This is my, I fought really fucking hard for this home. Um, and I gave up so fucking much for this home um that it has to remain standing and it has to be functional and yeah because i think i'm i think mentally i'm at peace with pretty much everything i mean obviously i stray every now and then because depression's a bitch um but i think i'm i'm slowly i'm slowly transforming this home into my home and not yeah. the home I bought with my ex-husband. Yeah. So my bedroom over the Christmas break, my bedroom was revamped and changed. And I threw away, I got rid of all the furniture and shit um, and revamped it. It still needs, it still has work to do, but um, I'm slowly, that's what I want to do. I slowly want to turn this house into my home that reflects me um, because I did not have that when I was, when I was married. Yes. So that's my, once I get my inheritance that will cover that. So that's my, that's my goal. My personal. I goal. love that. Yes. I love it. And I really, I believe that speaks to like a really deeply held principle of mine, like as without, so within. Yeah. I don't know, some old Buddhist saying or something like that, but, <laughs> but it's true as without, so within, if you, and unfortunately, and I got, here's living proof. You guys can't see this. We're listening, but look, this is my office. Yeah. See, see that clutter? Yeah. 
And that, that, the way that looks, that's how it makes me feel inside. Cluttered. Affects it. Yep. Yeah. Cluttered, scattered, frazzled. It, yep. it affects how I walk in here and how I approach my work every day. Like well, I've got to forcibly block that out. So absolutely get that beautiful backyard, that beautiful kitchen and that beautiful bathroom. It's funny. One of the, like one of the things that like yesterday, I, I used to not make my bed every day. <laughs> I used to not make my bed every day. And my bedroom was usually a mess um, to the point where my ex-husband like made his half of the bed mm-hmm. and cleaned up his stuff and only, and, and cleaned Ooh, his. Talk about passive aggression. So, <laughs> and I would, I would purposely unmake it during the day. So that's the relationship that Some we had. More so. passive aggression. <laughs> It's like, I hate you and I'm going to show you by making the bed and I hate you and I'm going to show you by unmaking the bed. Um, so nowadays though, I make my bed. Like I can't conceive now of not laying down on my bed at night before I go, before I go to sleep, laying on, you know, watching some Brit box and, you know, on my freshly made bed. On your bed, on my bed, my brand your new bed. bed, and it's the yeah. same mattress because like mattresses are expensive. Um, but <laughs> um, I'll tell yeah. you something. The very first thing that I bought myself after I my broke up, I did too much fucking psychic energy in that mattress. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Fuck that. Same shit. thing. Same dashed, thing. Dashed it on the literally on the curb. <laughs> Goodbye. None of that sexual, intimate, gross energy yeah, in, my, yeah. in my invading my dreams. I know they're expensive, but I bought it before I bought, we had a shitty old couch and shitty everything, but I had a new mattress. I yeah. like my mattress. It's so comfortable. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Sex anyway. So it didn't matter. <laughs> and now it's got fresh Kim sheets on it and it's got Kim comforter and Kim yeah. bed frame Kim energy and Kim yep. energy. It's got my energy now, nine years of my energy. That's right. All right. I have one last question. Okay. That was actually on my list. I didn't just think it up on the fly. <laughs> what is the most fun thing you want to do like in your life? Like what, if you have a bucket list of fun things and I'm not talking, um, uh, you know, like I'm not talking about things like redoing your backyard. I'm talking fun. Is there anything really big, fun thing? It actually, it doesn't have to be big. Anything that's super fun that you want to do, either a one-time thing or thing that you, something that you want to start doing. I, I don't know if or when it would happen, but I do want to travel. I do want to go to Europe. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's a war and a pandemic and, you know, some global monkeypox crap going on. So I'm not sure if that will ever happen because my anxiety levels are to the point where, you know, I get in a sweat if I go to a movie, but mm-hmm. I'm hoping that shit will calm down at some point. Yeah. Um, and I would like to, I'd like to go back to England and Scotland and I'd like to see Ireland because I have not, even though that's where my brethren are from, I haven't, we yeah. didn't actually, 
we didn't get to Ireland when we went when I was younger um, because we were gonna, but just before we did, the IRA blew something up. So my mother was like, we're not fucking going. That's the end of that. The IRA had been quiet for so many years and then suddenly we get into England and what? the Fernandes are here. Let's go. Yeah. Well, no, it was the Healy's at the time. Um, the oh, that's right. That's right. That's your, I was your young. Healy, Healy. Yeah. Um, but then, so I'd like to see Ireland and I want to see like Italy um, and mm. Rome. Sounds I, I studied when I was in university, I studied um, art history and I used to spend a lot of time in um, at the ROM. And my favorite place was like the the Roman Greek gallery um, with the statues and stuff. Um, So I used to go there and I don't know if you guys know this about me. I used to go there and and sketch um, the statues and stuff because I used to be an artist I am no longer an artist I can't even draw a stick figure at this point but um back in the day I used to be um I I swear when I had will all of that ability transferred to him like it kind of was at that point that I stopped being able to do what I liked to do and it now transferred to him um so I think he stole that from me (laughs) I did not know that about you. So that I always like to ask a question and I thought for, for this particular, you know, hot seat event that, um, that there wouldn't be an answer. Like what's one thing that we didn't know, we don't know about you. Uh, and that's and it. You, you just revealed it. Perfect. That's it. I didn't know that. I didn't know you, did I, I didn't know you studied art history and I didn't know that you used to go to the Roman sketch statues. Mm-hmm. That's, I love that. That's I took, I took art history and political science. Ah, well, that's diverse. The, the two do not match. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. would be learning about Greek history, Greek art history at one point, and then the Nicaraguan political conflict and conquistadors. Oh, yes, you, in the did, next. you did. Didn't you study all about like Central and South American? Yeah, um, that, that was my that was my niche. Yeah. And something else. Shark Week is coming up. I'm so fucking excited about Shark Week. I love sharks. I think they are the most fascinating creatures on the planet. Um, And I am so excited. I actually got Discovery Plus so I can watch all the stuff that I can't see on Discovery. Um, Because they're like, oh yeah, we have this that we're going to show you. But then we have all this stuff on Discovery Plus that you won't be able to get. Like, I hate that. Fuck you. So now I have Discovery Plus and I'll be able to watch it. I, all the sharks. I, all the time. Person who, I am not at all interested in sharks, but for a person who is not at all interested in sharks, I have watched five million hours of Shark Week Love because shark week. of boys. Like we would watch, we they would Shark Week is coming. Shark Week, we it was like Christmas. Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> yep, I love it. I remember that. So, and as soon as they lost that interest, I just like fuck Shark Week. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm so not, excited. I'm not, yeah. Amazing. So I love Shark Week as well. We all have. Well, you don't love them, Suzanne, but you watched a lot of it. I'll tell you too, Kim. My my need to watch Shark Week was so um, clear that I actually one year. This is back when the Dunmoynihan kids were still relatively young. 
um, I think it was about 10 years ago, maybe when Shark Week was out. And I actually told everybody, you are not allowed to come down the stairs and into this kitchen and into the living room to ask me a question in the next two fucking hours. Because <laughs> this National Geographic or whatever the hell Shark Week thing was going on, this one particular show, it was like a two hour show. Yeah. And I, I banned them from asking a question for two hours. I'm like, you know where the snacks are? You know how to get yourself shit unless you're dying. Do not come ask And it me. better be well, by a shark bite for you to come down. Yes. <laughs> Were Unless you even been by a shark in your bedroom, don't Get come out. down. Get out. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck you. Amazing. That's hilarious. Yeah. And so that's all about Kim. We have, <laughs> Sam asked me a question too. Do you feel not <gasps> She did. Oh, no, I didn't see that. on fucking Instagram. I do follow us on Instagram, but I didn't see Sam's question. What's your question, Sam? So she says, Kim, you have spent so much of the, I think we may have already answered this, uh, so much of the last 20 years being hands-on support for people you love, kids, and then your uncle, and recently your mom. Talk about recreate, you talk about recreating your backyard as an oasis, which I can't wait to see pictures of, and there will be a TikTok on it. Um, what else do you do to honor and uplift your spirit, self, and heart? So we talked about sort of personal goals, but on the daily, um, in the last couple of, well, I would say probably the last four weeks or so. Um, and I like that I had an entire week to figure this question, the answer to this question out. Um, I have gotten to, and taking care of my mom, got me here um mm -hmm. because i love that woman but jesus christ mm -hmm. um is trying to center myself in my day um and trying to i mean they talk about self-care i hate that term self-care and shit right now but trying to center myself in my day and look at my day and go okay what what do i need first and then what does everybody else need? And mm -hmm. along with that, that includes looking after my health. So having dealt with my plugged ear, which I can now have, I now have Steve Austin. Oh, you're like have bionic, bionic hearing. hearing. You're trying to listen to your hear. What's that? What's that? What? <laughs> I can hear shit. I can hear grass grow miles away. 12 miles away. Um, Remind me to tell you a funny story about my kids afterwards. Okay. Um, so looking after my health and not ignoring my shit. Um, and that includes maybe actually even going for physio for my hand, for my sciatica. Um, <laughs> look, I have sciatica. And when I say I have sciatica, it's going to sound like a 60 year old woman who smokes three packs a day. Okay. My sciatica. Um, and I and getting my hair cut <laughs> and getting yeah. my nails done more regularly and and making the time looking at my schedule and making the time for that stuff to happen because I think again you know we talk about setting boundaries <laughs> I need to set boundaries that put me first I need to, I will do anything I will do anything my mother needs I will do anything my children needs I will do anything my clients need that is I will do that but I have to not do it at the expense of my own 
health and my own happiness. Oh and my, my own mental God, health. snap, 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 snap. Yeah. <laughs> because it's the mental health part that for the last, you know, however many, you know, maybe a decade that has really taken a toll by doing so much for other people. Um, so I need to, I need to consider my own mental health and, and take that time to take a step back and go, nope, you know what, this is what needs to happen first. And mom, child, whatever, we're going to do that for you, but this has to happen first in order for this to happen. This has to happen first. And that happening first is something that I need to do for me. So nobody else is going to do it, girl. No, mm-hmm. so. Because you are the center. It has to be. Everybody is the center and children, and dare I say, men, husbands are really good at keeping themselves the center. Yeah. When they're hungry, fucking they need to be fed and they need to be fed now. And they're not waiting for nobody for their food. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're the one running around catering to that. You are the center and we all need to get better at being like our husbands and children. Yeah. And it's not, I, not selfish, no, not selfish. It's 100% not selfish. It's self-preserving because even if you, even if you are like a died in the wool martyr, listen, you can also look at it this way. You need to take care of yourself so you can take care of them. The better you take care of yourself, the better you take care of them. Absolutely. So you can look at it that way too, if you have to, but you don't have to, you can simply just take care of yourself because you exist and you are the center of your universe. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, that's kind of how I'm trying to, and, and I think the, the one thing like, look, my uncle caused me a lot of stress. My uncle took a lot out of me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and it wasn't what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for this particular, for this particular role in my life. But what I will say is as a result of that and, and taking care of him, I think he felt taken care of and he felt um, well taken care of and not alone, which is scary when you're a single person and, and you have cancer and you're living alone and all of this stuff. And I did the best I could to create that safety and support for him. And as a result, he has now allowed me with my inheritance to be able to do that for myself. And I appreciate that more than anybody can ever know. So what he's done for me, I did give a lot, but he's given me back what I feel is my ability to look after me. That's right. SIP, Uncle Harry. Yeah. Yep. And it's funny. He said, one thing he said to me before he died was you're not allowed to spend it frivolously. <laughs> like, okay. Back you know, up. Damn it. That's exactly what I plan to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to do, but I'm obviously not when I talk about, you know, investing in my home and stuff like that. So that's, I don't feel that that's frivolous. Um, but he, he was married to a woman who, um, went through a terrible divorce and was never an abusive relationship and never felt safe. Um, even being married to my poor, my poor little uncle, um, who wouldn't have said boo if he was scared. Um, but I think 
seeing her go through that, I think he wanted to make sure that I was protected and that I was not, um, not needing to rely on others the way she lived her life after she got out of that relationship. So I, I really, really appreciate that. And I, I thank, I thank him every day for, um, giving me that calm in my life. Um, it means more to me than anybody could ever know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I'm, I'm very glad that you have that. Yeah. Deserve it. And it's good. And I'm glad you have that perspective too, because you're the center. That's right. Of your own life. That's right. We all have to be the center of our own lives. So there you go. All so right. you were talking about having a bionic ear. Wait, I got to tell you this funny story. Yes, yes. My last two sons, they're four years apart. So just enough that my older son, Kyle, um, could razz his little brother a lot, mm-hmm. right? I don't know what possessed Kyle one time. Like we had this really big backyard. They spent a lot of time out there because I would throw those bitches out every day after breakfast, regardless of the weather. And depending on the weather, they had to stay out there for a certain amount of time. So they'd be out there sometimes in good weather, hours and hours and hours, just playing, doing whatever. At some point, Kyle convinced Noah that he had bionic eyes. Oh. (laughs) And he, he would say, look, see the plane up there? There's a plane up there. There'd be like a plane passing. And Kyle convinced Noah that he could see the scratches on the plane. I can I can see the scratches on the plane. Like underneath the plane, there's scratches. And Noah was like, whoa, I can't even read the letters on that plane. And Kyle was like, yeah, that's because I have bionic eyes and you don't. <laughs> don't believe this for so long. Till finally the subject came up. I don't know, like at the breakfast table or something. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? You could see the scratches on the plane. So Kyle was like, yeah, I really can. And I was like, yeah, you can. He could see the scratches. He could see like a cat that's like all the way down the road. And I couldn't see it at all, but he could see it. And I'm like, you stop <laughs> lying to your little brother. <laughs> Do not lie to your little siblings about your bionic powers. Cause you don't have any. Oh, Only Kim God. has bionic ears. Oh. I realize now didn't Steve Rogers had the eye and the Steve bionic Austin. woman had the ear. Yeah. Steve Austin. Yep. Yeah. Had the eye and she had, and she also had that bionic thumbnail. Remember she used to be able to open cans with her thumb. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Lindsay yeah. Wagner. What a Lindsay riot. Wagner. But her name was Jamie, Jamie, yeah. bionic Jamie woman. Summers, Jamie. Yep. Summers. <laughs> For those of you who don't know 70s television, what are you even watching? Honest Go to God, honestly. Six dollar man. And- you know what I think? You know what I think too is one of the reasons why I think our generation is fairly resilient, like people our age, um, is because we grew up with designing women and Julia Sugarbaker didn't take any shit. Oh my God. She's I live my life with her living in the back of my brain going, right, bring it on because I will tear you down just like she did when somebody said that Southerners eat dirt. I will. I'm waiting for that day. I fucking love Julia Sugarbaker. First of all, I love the name. Yeah. Julia Sugarbaker. And yeah. that her sister's name is Suzanne Sugarbaker. I yeah. love those two so much. And she was beautiful and older. Yep. And smart and fierce. And she yeah, she's an icon for yep. 
she doesn't get enough. Julia Sugarbreaker and the rest of the designing women don't get the credit that they that they deserve. They really don't. She would always. She have- could handle a mansplainer as well as a female bully. She could handle both, and they it regularly showed her handling people. Every every episode would have her tearing somebody down, being calm, articulate. And stabby all at the same time. Oh, it's my oh, goal yeah. in life. That is my goal. To be when they Julia came for her sister, sugar yes. when they came for Suzanne and decided to bully her about her weight, and she trapped that woman in the bathroom, and that woman was not leaving until Julia had her say yep. and clarified things. You know, it was oh, that was one of my favorites. One of my favorites. If you don't watch it, go watch it. Go find wherever Designing Women is. It playing. is on the CTV app ctv.ca app yeah yeah maybe that's what i'll watch because i've run out of shit on britbox i swear to god i've gone through prime and britbox and i've nothing else to watch you know what else i watched but it's on youtube all of the episodes are on youtube for some reason the other day i just got this feeling to look up the mary tyler moore show and i started right from the very very beginning when mary first arrived in minneapolis and was renting that beautiful beautiful little apartment from phyllis in that gorgeous house um and I really started looking at it and analyzing Mary and she was also she's very very different from Julia Sugarbaker but not any less an icon because Mary was fearful and anxious it seemed like a lot of the time but she always so whenever I hear that saying speak your truth even if your voice shakes I yeah. think of Mary Richards yeah. because she would say, well, Mr. Grant, I feel yep. that I do deserve a raise. Absolutely. And she would not leave until Mr. Grant agreed with her and negotiated her raise. And even with a shaky voice, well, even if your voice is shaking and you're not sure and you're unclear about it, just do it anyways. That's bravery. Yeah. Yeah. Do it scared. Mary, Mary Richards is another TV, uh, Another TV but I these thought. are the women that we grew up with. Right. You know what I mean? And that brought us to be the women that we are now. And she left a broken relationship. I forgot about this till mm-hmm. I watched the first episode or two. She left a broken relationship to start fresh. Yeah. And then he came, he tried to get back with her. And when she realized that nothing was changing, she stood back and said, no, no, that's, I don't want that. It's not going to work. Goodbye. And that was, I mean, this was in the, this was in the seventies, like early seventies, the marital started in 1971. Yeah. And I mean, these, our mothers were, I mean, I don't know. My mother watched a lot of TV, but our mothers were watching these shows of these strong women. And I hope, and I know that my mom did this was instilling this onto me. Like my mom was raising me to say shit if I had a mouthful of it to, to get me to the point where, you know, I could stand up for myself. They would always be there behind me if I needed them, but they taught me how to speak up for myself. And we had these big, crazy discussions at the kitchen table and stuff about really big topics. Um, you know, and they would ask like, what would you do? How do you feel about this? What would you do about X, Y, Z? And it's like, uh, and they would just listen. And it's like, that taught me how to use my own voice, even though for like a good portion of my marriage, I didn't have a voice, but now I do. And now 
I want to do that for my own kid. Like I want to instill that into her, which I do believe I have been doing. Um, cause she's fucking kick ass and is graduating and is going to university. And I just cannot wait to see the change within the world that she is going to create. Yeah. It will be amazing. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for divulging your very soul to us. We appreciate I have, it. I have been ripped open. Born yes. open. Yes, we appreciate it. We really do. And I have learned a little bit more about you than I didn't know before. And I'm Absolutely. glad for it. Yeah. What a, that I think that I think going uh, shadowing is stupid. <laughs> and Kim's a creative at the core of it. I'm a creative. Yeah, she is an artist. What the hell? Listen, you better start doing some of that again. Really? Well, she just, is. She's designing her backyard. She's designing her room. Her rooms. Uh, somebody else designed my backyard. I said, <laughs> what would you do here? And she handed me a thing and I said, yeah, that yes. looks good. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I can be creative on Canva, <laughs> but I yeah. cannot draw my own shit anymore. It's not, I am yeah. totally useless at that. All right. So thank you all. Have a good week, everybody. And let's, you know, if you're in the United States and you've got your primaries coming up, please, for God's sake, get out there and vote. Get out there and vote and register and vote. United States. How do you people keep up? Well, I watch Drag Race. They keep talking about it. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. So get out there and vote. Register to vote. And let's take your country into a better direction please scaring the crap out of me all right okay everybody have a good day and a good week love you everyone